Father God, we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. Hallelujah. So God has been speaking to you and I about very, very important things. Amen. I pray that you and I would have a love for God that is great and that is going to make us close to God, love God, receive the things that God has for us. Very, very important. So I want to encourage you to prepare your heart for this word. Prepare your heart since God has wonderful plans for you. Amen. So I want to encourage you to invite friends because this is going to be the message of a lifetime. Amen. Very good. So we've been talking about how to be close to God. How to be close to God. How do you become close to God? What are the things you and I need to do to be close to God? What are some of the things you... Okay, I think... Okay, very good. Just a few technical difficulties that we didn't throw. Number one is what? What is number one? Be a worshiper of God. Amen? The Bible says that you and I are the Israel of God. And since we are the Israel of God, we must be people who worship God. The Bible says God who inhabits the praises of Israel. And therefore, God who inhabits the praises of his people. So you and I must worship God, we must apply the praise cure. Praise, you can, pray, you can pray amiss, but you cannot praise amiss. You can do so many things, you can say so many things to God, but when you worship God, you get God's attention. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Job, when he lost everything, he shaved his head, he, he, he put on mourning clothes, he rent his clothes, and then he's worshipped. Hallelujah. Worship is the highest form of prayer. And I want to encourage us to be worshippers of God. Amen. Very, very important. We've said a lot about worship. The second important thing that God wants you and I to do, or what we, you and I need to do to be close to God, is to wait on the Lord. You and I must learn how to wait on the Lord, how to depend upon the Lord. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. The ability to wait. How do you become close to God? Number one, be a worshiper of God. Number two, have a, a, a learn how to wait on the Lord. The ability to wait upon the Lord is very, very important if you and I want to be close to God. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. I'll just turn to it quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 10 to 12 says and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob to give thee great and goodly riches which thou buildest not and houses full of all, full of all good things which thou findest not and wells digged which thou diggest not vineyards and olive trees which thou planted not when thou shalt have eaten and be full verse 12 then then beware lest thou forget the lord thy god for out of the, uh, which brought thee forth out of the land of egypt from the house of bondage hallelujah so you and i must not forget waiting on god means appreciating him spending time with him telling him how much you love him 
spending time with him, worshipping him, spending time with him, re remembering that he has done good to you. Hallelujah. Let's look at Psalm 40 verse 1. Psalm 40 and verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Oh, hallelujah. So waiting on the Lord brings or generates answered prayer. You will see the psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and God inclined, listened to what I had to say, and heard my cry and gave me what I was looking for. So very, very important that we learn how to wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. Now the next very important thing would be the shepherding type. The shepherding type. Someone who, who knows how to look after God's sheep. Someone who cares about people. Someone who, 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 who thinks about others, who cares for others, who loves others, who is interested in the good of others. Someone who is not just interested in yourself and your family, but you are interested in the other people. There are others out there. There are others out there who need love. There are others out there who need help. There are others out there who need a word from you. There are others out there who you are the only one who can speak to them. There are many pastors who can speak to them, but you and I, we can speak to those people. Hallelujah. And we can, if you look at Psalm 76, verse 72, one of the things that David did that made him close to God was that he looked after God's people. So it's not just a job. It is a lifestyle of caring for people. It is a lifestyle, Psalm 72. 8 verse 72 amplified it's a lifestyle of caring for people it's a lifestyle of helping people it's a lifestyle of loving people so the bible says so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by skillfulness of his hands please uh it's important to follow the instructions. I said, uh, said NASB. Did I say NLT NASB? If I didn't, then forgive me. But NASB and then Amplified, please. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands, then Amplified. So how many can I see? This is David. So David was their shepherd with an upright heart he guided them by the discernment and skillfulness which controlled his hands. What a blessing. Look at Ezekiel 34, 23. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 23. And I will raise up over them one shepherd and And I, will raise, and I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. Now, we are using David as an example because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, let's go to Hebrews 6, 12, that we should not be slothful, but followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. 
And David was a man after God's own heart. God even gave a testimony that I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will fulfill all my will. So David was a man who loved God, who was chosen by God, who was God's anointed, who was blessed and lived a good old, good life. He, he died in a good old age. He reigned for 40 years, died in a good old age, full of days, full of prominence, full of blessings. And he had long life. And his son Solomon reigned after him. That's a blessing. Hallelujah. But it came about because he was a worshiper of God. Number two, he waited upon God. Number three, he looked after God's people. He looked after God's people. He was a shepherd of God's people. Hallelujah. Look, for example, now let's see God in this. Look at Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. You will see that God wants us to look after people because he looks after people. When you and I look after people, we are looking after God's heritage. When we look after people, we are, we are caring for the people God died for. So God takes it very, very seriously and is very appreciative when we look after God's people. Now, how do you look after God's people? You just care for them. You just lend a helping hand. Anytime someone is in need, you are there to help them. You are asking how they are. You are watching over them by praying for them seeing how they are doing spiritually you, you are feeding them you are nourishing them you are you are teaching them the word of god you are encouraging them that that is nurturing but especially feeding showing them the bible when you are giving examples you will not say my uncle's experience you would use your uncle's experience to emphasize what the bible is saying so you would use the bible as your advice book and then different experiences to back the bible Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will, hear his voice. Psalm 74, verse 1. Oh God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Now we all know Psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. So God is interested in looking after people. Now it's very important for us to realize that you and I, if we are working together with God, then we become even closer to God. Because when you and I are working with God, we, we become co-laborers with God. Let me give you another verse. First Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 9, and then we will read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. This is going to be a very short uh, 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 point. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So you and I are laborers together with God. If God is our shepherd, and we are also shepherds, then we become what? Under shepherds. Let's look at. Uh, uh, the next verse. 2 Corinthians 6 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's start from verse 1. How many are getting what I'm saying? Very important. I'm giving you many verses to see the importance. Now, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, 
and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. We go into the yes, continue. Feed the flock. Shepherds, a flock belong to a shepherd. When you say the word flock, it means sheep. Sheep are flock. And the one who watches the flock or feeds the flock is the shepherd. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight. So feed them. How do you feed people? You, you don't, it, it doesn't mean you buy them food. Does that mean that rich people or people who have enough money cannot be fed? No. You feed the flock by feeding them the word of God. Because the word of God is our food. The Bible says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that he may grow by, thereby. First Peter 2.2. 2. So don't, don't, don't turn to that. You, you can write it down and read. Just stay here because we're going to continue. But you, you, the, our food, the, 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 the Christian's food is the word of God. So we are to feed the flock or the church of God with the word of God, with their food. So they receive nourishment. Taking the oversight, meaning that watch over them. Take the oversight, be watching over them to, to, so that if you see anything that might not be working out or something is going wrong in their lives, you start to pray for them. Because prayer is one of the most important ways to deal with issues. Prayer. So you take oversight by praying and by counseling and by feeding. But don't do it with constraints, meaning that it's not something people are forced to do. You, don't, you shouldn't be forced to do this. Because we are not supposed to do it by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy liquor, not for money, but of a ready mind. Verse 3. Neither as being lords of our God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. So we are not supposed to rule over anyone. We are not supposed to dominate over anyone. We are not to lord over people or control people or tell people what to do. But we are to, the, 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 the elder is supposed to be an example to the flock. An example is someone who we instruct. But when you instruct, please go back there. When you instruct, the idea is that the sheep will follow. But we are not to lord or rule over God's heritage. Hallelujah. Let me give you a verse. Hallelujah. Let's turn to, uh, well, let's, we'll come back here, but I want to bring this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, and then come back to 1 Peter 5, 3. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. Now, when you read the context, you go to verse 23. Later on, I want to encourage us to be like the Berean believers, who, after they heard the word of God, they went and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether what the apostles said was true and they became more noble, more mature. So go and read the context. Anytime you see a verse given in the church, go home, read the context so that you, when you read the context, you have a deeper understanding of the message. So moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that, that to spare you, I came not as yet unto Corinth. Uh, I will let you read that. When you go home, read it yourself. I'll just continue. Not for, but start from verse 20 or 18. Start from a place where you can get the context. No, I don't mean you, but those who uh, uh, are going to do their Bible study at home on this. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. Now look at it in N. 
uh, ESV and then NLT. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Now, NLT. But that does not mean we want to tell you how to put your faith into practice. So, we are not supposed to, uh, 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 when we are helping people, because many of us uh, watching might not know how to look after people. Some do. But most of us don't know how to look after people in terms of shepherding people or, or, or looking after people. So we are going to have to practice this so that when we have people we are looking after in terms of praying for them, in terms of counseling them, in terms of, of feeding them the word of God, we will make sure that we do not f uh, 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 tell people how to put their faith into practice. We want to work together with you so you will be full of joy as you stand firm in your faith. So what the Bible is saying is that as shepherds or as people looking at the people, we must show people how to stand strong because I cannot stand on my pastor's faith. I cannot stand on Benihin's faith. I cannot stand on anyone's faith. I can only stand on my faith because we stand by our faith. But we must learn to help people and work together with people to guide them in putting their faith into practice like Apostle Paul is doing. Very, very important. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, 3. Neither as being lords or governors or kings we are king of kings, but not kings over each other. We are kings over life in life. Neither has been lords over God's heritage, but ensamples to the flock. Verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, why is Jesus being called the chief shepherd? Because there must be under shepherds. You cannot have a chief unless there are others, others below you. There's only a chief. You can't have one person in a company and call him the chief accountant. When there is no other accountant there. You are a chief shepherd because they are under shepherds and every human being is an under shepherd and, and Jesus is the chief shepherd. Every Christian is, a, when I say every human being, every Christian is the under shepherd. So when the chief shepherd appears, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not. Hallelujah. So what I want to encourage you to, to, to remember is that God takes personally or, or God, God, God blesses, or God, it touches God's heart when someone decides to do the extra by also looking after God's people. Because Jesus cannot come physically to do it. Angels do not preach. When the second, after the second coming, angels will preach, will, will proclaim the, the, the gospel. But now, angels don't do it. We are the only ones who can proclaim the gospel. You and I are the only ones who can tell people encourage people. There are many people who come to church who are baby Christians. There will be Christians who have been Christians for many years, but they are baby Christians because they don't know the word. They don't know how to apply the word. But you and I are to teach them how to apply the word. Hallelujah. Then they'll become mature. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start from verse 6. One God and Father, 
of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Let's use NLT for this. Let's just, or ESV. Let's go to ESV and keep verse 8 and then let's continue. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts unto men. Let me give the history. Quick history. The Bible says that Jesus ascended. Let's go to verse, is it verse 7. Where does it say Jesus ascended? Go to verse 7. Okay. The Bible says that, uh, uh, okay, go to verse 6. Therefore it saith, okay, and God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What does verse 7 say? Give me the verse that says, and he ascended. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, okay, verse 9. In saying he ascended, there's a verse before that, but never mind. So the history is that Jesus Christ ascended. But for the scripture to say Jesus Christ ascended, what does it mean? It means he descended first. That's in verse, the earlier verses that they are striving to find. Hallelujah. It, for him to have ascended, it means he first descended. For him to have ascended because Jesus Christ is God and there is none above him. So how can God ascend? It only means that he descended before he ascended. And when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. Now let's go to verse 10. He descended, yes, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, so he gave gifts unto men. And the gifts he gave to people are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 13, just stay here. So what the Bible is saying is that when Jesus Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men. What are the gifts he gave to men? Pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry, to edify the church, to build the body of Christ so that we will attain to the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith is not the unity of a church, a particular church. It means CRIC, it means Lighthouse Chapel or UD, it means Action, it means Central, it means Gubligov International. The unity of the faith, every church, there will be unity. Meaning that when I see a fellow Christian, I'm united to the person because we are both brother and sister in Christ. Hallelujah. So we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So when you are mature, there you go. How? By knowing the Son of God and by being united and being walking in love and being mature in your work with other people and unity. Hallelujah. So now what does this mean? This means that you and I, God is counting upon us. Look at verse 10 to 12. God is counting on us to shepherd God's people. God is counting on us to look after God's people. God is counting on us, uh, uh, verse 11, and then 
Hallelujah. God is counting on us there to keep going and to try to follow as I'm preaching. Just click on the verses to try to catch up with me. Amen. Hallelujah. So God, so, so God is counting on us to equip God's people to do his work, to build the church and to edify the church so that people become mature. So we, it doesn't matter how long you are a Christian. It doesn't matter how much you know. You, 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 can, you can decide to study the word of God. You can decide to learn the word of God. You can decide to grow more so that you would become a person who is mature, who, is, who, is, who, who, who has attained. So even the, the unity of the faith, you have to attain to it. It's something that you have to aspire towards and, and, and work towards. It's not automatic that people will just be united. Even in the same church, people are not united. Many people are not united. That's why Jesus said, a new commandment I've given unto you, John 13, 34 and 35. Just stay here. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, because you have loved one for another. So, the unity of the faith, but that comes by teaching the people, counseling people. When you show someone love, the other person will reciprocate it, and then will also show other people love. When you show love, people are appreciative of it. They know that you are real Christians. It's, it's, it's attractive. It attracts them to God. It attracts them to Christ because Christ is loving through us. So a shepherd, someone who, who, who is a shepherd of God, that's what the Bible says, David the king, he went in and out from amongst the people. So he shepherded them. He was moving around with them. He fellowship with them. He was not an exclusive man. But he was moving around with the people and loved the people. And because of that, he was wise and became, behaved himself wisely and he was promoted even more. I don't know what I'm preaching to you. Hallelujah. So I want to make it a point. I, I want to encourage you to, to decide to do that. Amen. Okay. So it's very, very important. But we've talked about this uh, in earlier messages. So let's move to the final point. So number one is become a worshiper of God. Number two, learn how to wait upon the Lord. Number three, become a person who looks after God's people. Looks after God's people does not mean you need to be an older person. An 18-year-old can look after a 40-year-old because the 18-year-old has been a Christian for some time and the 40-year-old has just become a Christian and the 18-year-old is more mature in Christ and can teach the Bible because our wisdom, the, the, the word of God is our wisdom. So you can be a youth and the kind of wisdom you will be displaying is not your wisdom, but it's Christ's wisdom. So you can, you can look after anyone, doesn't matter your age. No wonder Paul told Timothy, do not let anyone despise your youth. So you and I must learn and, and aspire, aim for it and pray to the Holy Spirit Ask God to, by the Holy Spirit, or ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Help you and give you the desire for it. Number four. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 to 26. I want to encourage you to please uh, make it easy for me by just flowing through with the verses, please. Second Samuel chapter 12. Verse 1 to 26. I want to read it quickly 
and then patch on it and see if I can finish the day or tomorrow, God willing. I mean, next week, God willing. All you need to do is to go to 2 Samuel, just look for chapter 12, and then click on 1 and start it, please. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and heads. Very important. Let's listen to it. It will bless us. But the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his muscle and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock to herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he had did this thing, and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are that man. You, you, you are the man. Thus said the Lord, the God of Israel, that, that said the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. And I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms. And gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus said the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of his this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Even though you said the person deserves to die, you won't die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went up to his house, and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. <laughs> it's wild. David thought, therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of this house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. 
But when David saw that the servants were whispering, his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said he is dead. You go to verse 21 to continue. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. Okay, let's continue. Let me get to that verse. I think it's up to verse 26. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept for, for I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me, gracious to me, that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went in to her and lay with her and she bore a son and he called his name Solomon and the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he, he, he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. And finally verse 26. Now Joab fought. Okay, then he goes on. Hallelujah. So this whole story, the, the important part is that David was walking on the rooftop whilst there was war. He didn't go with them, but he was just relaxing. And he saw a stunningly beautiful man. He, his house was usually the highest, the, the highest house. So he could see every house. Every house was below his house. So he looked and saw a beautiful woman bathing outside. And called for her. And most likely she said, oh, I'm married. But he said, oh, I know your husband is Uriah. Okay, don't worry. And then lay with her. And she got pregnant. Then Uriah came back. And uh, David said, go and lie with your wife. He said, no, I'm not going to lie with my wife. So he slept outside. But as David was trying to convince him, David brought him to his house caused him to drink and get drunk and said, go and lie with your wife so that it will conceal the pregnancy. Because if you've lied with your wife and your wife is pregnant, even though it's my child, it might look like it is Uriah's child and to conceal his adultery. But Uriah was so faithful to David that Uriah said, no, I'm going to sleep on the floor. So he didn't go to his wife. Then David realized that this guy is too loyal to me. I have to find another way to get rid of him. If he's not going to help me conceal it, then I have to kill him. So what did David do? David gave Joab a, a, sorry, Uriah a letter to jo uh, 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 Uriah. Don't open this letter. Give this letter to Joab, the chief of the, the captain, my captain. So uh, Uriah gave the letter to Joab, but the letter David wrote to Joab. Joab, Uriah, I want him to die. So take him to the, uh, uh, take him to the front of the the, the, the fiercest part of the army, the, the war. And when the uh, when when the, the, the enemy is coming, then let the man retreat so that he'll be left alone to die. And Uriah died that way. Then Nathan came to visit David and told David a story of a man, a rich man, who had uh, 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 many uh, lambs, and then a, 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 a modest man who had just one lamb he had nurtured. When a visitor came to the rich man. Instead of maybe he had an appetite. Instead of the visitor could be his appetite. Instead of 
he giving the visitor, taking many or one of his many wives, instead of doing that, he rather took another man's wife. But because David didn't know it was him, when David uh, uh, heard it, anyone would know that this is wrong. This person is selfish. This person, this is unacceptable. You have many. Why do you have to go for somebody's one? Those days you could have many wives, but this man decided to have just one. And you took it. So David was angry. How, what a person is this? This person is a bad person. This person must die. And he must restore. And David, Nathan said, you are that man. But when David heard this, his response was different from Saul. King Saul, when the prophet told him that he had displeased God, he, he had sinned against God, he did not obey God, Saul began to make excuses and to explain his point. No, I have not sinned against God. I have obeyed God. But David, what did he do? He quickly repented and said, I have sinned against God. The next is being quick to repent. How fast can you repent? How fast can you repent when, we are not even talking about only the big ones, because many of us, we are not going to be doing any big, anyway, what are the big ones? But okay, there, let me just use quotes, because the big things for us are different from God. But many of us will not do the big ones. But what about the other sins? You cast someone out. You didn't walk in that for someone. You lied on someone. You did not treat someone well. You, you, you showed favoritism. You, 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 you did whatever you did. You lied. When you find out, are you quick to repent? How quick are you when the Holy Spirit convicts you to say, God, I'm sorry, help me to overcome. Forgive me. How quick? When it's pointed to you in the preaching, or pointed to me in the preaching, how quick? How quick? Psalm 51 verse 10 to 12. How quick? No wonder David cried. Create in me a clean heart. When he fell down and said, I've sinned against you, O God, he went straight and started to sing psalms to God, weeping. I'm sure he was weeping, singing to God. Create in me a clean heart, he was crying. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Look at, uh, 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 go to uh, King James. Renew a right spirit or a contrite spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David realized that, look, I've sinned against God. I realized that, look, what I did was so sinful. I have sinned. I have fallen short. What I did was wrong. Oh God, create in me a clean heart. A clean heart that will not shed innocent blood. That will not kill someone for his wife. A clean heart that will look at her and say she's beautiful, but just decide that, let me focus that channel on the other the, the, the other people, the, uh, the, uh, the other women that uh, God said he gave him. Hallelujah. Because we have to just say it as the Bible. I'm not, we are not holier than God. Hallelujah. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Give me a good spirit. Cast me not away. This is one of the most important things. I hope we all pray that. But this is something we need to pray. Yesterday, I was praying and I was like, oh, I mean, you, when you are close to God, you know how filthy you are. You won't feel big and look down on others. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. 
cast me not away. So David will say, Lord, I've done such a great thing. I have given your enemies occasion against you. Meaning that God said that you have given my enemies something to talk about. Because I have bragged about David. David is my anointed. David is a man after my own heart. He, uh, all the enemies, everyone in the universe knows I love this man, David. And yes, look at what you've done, David. Look at what you've done. Because of what you've done, your, my enemies have something to say. That's what God told him. Then you read it. Then you go later on, you can read it. That, that's what God said. You, you've given them occasion about me. So God wasn't happy with them. And God said, you will not die. So David was wretched and contract and said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away. Don't, 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 don't remove me from your presence. Don't take me away from your presence. Your presence is all I, that's my life. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Even David at that time knew the importance of the Holy Spirit. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take it. I need your Holy Spirit. It shows that you and I should be so desiring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He said, look, do anything. The Holy Spirit, that's make sure you don't take the Holy Spirit from me, Lord. You can do anything you want with me. Please. So far as your Holy Spirit has not been taken from you. You and I must be so in love with God and so dependent on the Holy Spirit who will draw us to Jesus, so dependent on the Holy Spirit that we will do everything it takes to make sure that God does not take his Holy Spirit from us. This is why God loved David and made him the great king. The Bible, calls it, the Bible says that, and David the king was the firstborn of all the kings of the earth. Firstborn, or David the king was first ranking king. He is the greatest, he's number one, king one. When you rank, David the king was number one of all the kings. Next verse. Verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation because I'm broken. For you and I, that's automatic because he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But in those days, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me Strengthen me, uphold me with thy free spirit. What a blessing. What a blessing. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me. So David said to himself, Wow. I did it. I love God. I, I, I read the commandments. I knew that I shouldn't commit adultery. I shouldn't murder. But I didn't know that this was in my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So God, search me. Search deep within me and know my heart. Know the, the, the inner man. Search me and know my heart and try me. Put tests to me. In my mind, give me tests in my mind and know my thoughts. Test me and know how I think. Know whether I have bad thoughts, evil thoughts. Find out who I am, verse 24. And see, after trying me and searching me, see if there be any wicked way in me and then remove it by leading me in the way everlasting. That was David. 
no wonder he was the favorite of God. Other people will just say, forgive me, and then that's it. But David was in past forgiveness. Ah, listen to the psalmist who said, Bless the Lord who my soul, forget not his benefit, benefits, who forgiveth all my sins or iniquities, and healeth all my diseases. David knew that he can get receive forgiveness. But this is deeper than receiving forgiveness. This is now God. I want to have a pure heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a contrite spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And then David mentioned the Holy Spirit. Remember that God takes precious the Holy Spirit, the blessing, the Holy Spirit or the blessing or the anointing. That's why God loved Jacob and hated or and loved Esau less. Because Esau despised the blessing or the, the Holy Spirit. Whilst Jacob desired it. So David knew the importance of the Holy Spirit. Then he said, search me and know my heart. Because many people are there. They talk with so much confidence. They talk as if they are close to God or they will do this or they will do that. Or they will never do this, they will never do that. Or they look down on people. But you don't know what is in your heart. You don't know what will bring out a bad thing in you. You and I don't know what can happen. It's because you've not gone through a certain thing. That is why you are talking. Or that is why you are looking down on the person who is sinned. Or that is why you are looking down on the person who has done ABC. That's why you and I should not judge at all. We should have a meek and a humble spirit. And we should be able to ask God to search us. I want to know. So David was not just about forgiveness. Lord, search me out. I want you to remove. Please start searching me now. Search my heart. Search my thoughts. Try me. I want to know quickly. If there's any wicked way you find, please remove it. Please remove it. Please remove it. Verse 24. And see, yes, if there be any wicked way in me. That is the king. That is David the king. That is David the king. And that is something that will touch God's heart. Look at the Pharisee and the tax collector. Look at it. I want us to do something important. Let's look at Luke chapter 18. Let's look at verse from verse 10 to 14. Hallelujah. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a religious leader. So a Pharisee is could be one of the pastors in, in, in a church. Because they were the they, they were the religious leaders and the other a publican a drunkard uh, an extortioner the people the jewish people considered the the, the the sinners of the day if you are looking for the sinners of the day it's a publican and a tax collector next verse and the tax collectors usually were publicans the pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself god i thank thee that i am not as other men are I'm not an extortioner. I'm not an unjust person. I'm not an adulterer. Or even as this publican. So this man was someone who did good work. Good things. He was faithful in church. He did everything well in church. He was so committed in church. His, his pastor was happy with him. Everything the pastor did is good for a pastor to be happy with you. I, I think that's very important. 
but God should be more happy with you first. So how much better when both are happy with you? I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I mean, this is commendable. And the publican standing, but how many can agree that the tax collector will be the pastor's period? The pastor, no, sorry, the, 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 the Pharisee will be someone who the pastor will say, this is my best member. This member is one of the best members. The member does everything. In fact, go back to verse 11. The, the, the Pharisee is flawless. He doesn't extort. He's not unjust. He doesn't sleep with people, uh, other people's wives. He's, he doesn't commit adultery. He, 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 he doesn't, he's not a drunkard. Next. He fasts twice a week. How many fast twice a week? He gives tithes of all he possesses. And he is not like the other. Now the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto, the, unto heaven. But smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified at night. My time is up. I'll just touch a bit and then I guess we'll finish next week. And he spake this parable unto them, say, say, uh, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Good. Now go to verse 8 and then 9 again. So go to verse 8 and then read 8 and 9. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth? Continue. Shall he find faith on earth? And he spake this parable unto Satan. So you can see that right after he talked about men ought always to pray and not to give up, and gave the parable about praying without failing, then he wanted to speak a parable to, because he was talking to the general congregation that, look, it's important to pray and never give up on prayer. Because God will avenge and will honor you and give you what you want. But I want to address, Jesus wanted to address the listeners who had confidence in themselves. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So, I think it's pretty clear that the Pharisee and the tax collector, the tax collector was repentant. The Pharisee was not. The Pharisee trusted in himself. The tax collector did not. The Pharisee prayed, went home with no, no results. The tax collector who had sinned that morning or just before coming, beat his chest and said, have mercy upon me, a sinner. He went home with better results from God. So, therefore, when you and I are praying, we must realize that God will quickly answer the person who is humble. God will quickly answer the person who is not despising in others. God will quickly answer people who are not confident in themselves. Very important. Because right after speaking about prayer, faith in prayer, Luke 18.1 and he spake this parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Then he wanted to tell the people that the people who have trust in themselves and despise others will not get their answered prayers. What do you think? Is it clear? Amen. And then let's look at Isaiah 57.15. 
Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the Lord, or for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabited eternity, who glory to God, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Amplified. And then NLT. Wow, what a blessing. So this verse is saying that God, the creator of the universe, he is close to, okay, let's read Amplified. And then NLT. For thus saith the high and lofty one, he who inhabits eternity. When he inhabits eternity, it means that eternity is, oh, glory to God. Eternity is, I mean, if you inhabit something, it means eternity is even to, cannot even contain him. Whose name is holy? I dwell in the high and holy place. But with him also who is of a thoroughly penitent and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the thoroughly penitent. Bruised with sorrow for sin. NLT. The high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, the holy one, says this. I live in that high and holy place with those. So it means that no wonder Moses was close to God and God spoke to him mouth to mouth. Because no one, no human being has had that ever. Apart from the apostles who walk with Jesus. But no one has had that before. Like Moses. I live in that high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I refresh the humble and give new courage to those with repentant hearts. Now that word contrite is the word crushed, is the word bruised, is the word broken, is the word oppressed. So God is saying that the one who is broken because of their sin, the one who is broken, you see, and every human being, every high Christian, the highest Christian, falls into this category. Daniel, who was pure, when he, he, he saw the Lord, he said, I mean, he, he, he felt dirty. He said, uh, my comeliness has turned into corruption. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. Those who are sure of themselves, it shows that there's no, you don't have a certain level of closeness to God. Anytime myself or any of us start to feel sure of ourselves, know that we are departing from an intimacy with God. Because the closer you are to God, the more sinful you know you are. That's why Apostle Paul, he was not joking when he said, this is a faithful saying. This saying is true, and I want you to acknowledge it. That Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So this is a very, very important thing. Because God is close to those who are broken. And say to themselves, I'm broken. Yesterday after I was praying, I was saying that, oh God, I mean, it didn't make sense to me. We are too dirty. What, what are you doing with us? We are, we are so useless, dirty without you. Why are you interested in us? No wonder the psalmist said, what is, uh, uh, what is man that thou art so mindful of him? Nor or the son of man that thou visited him. What is man? We sin in our thoughts. 
We sin in every, I mean, we, we, we sin. Our nature is sinful. We are not clean. Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Behold, my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah was saying that, woe is me, because I've seen the Lord. Before then, he was a mighty man. But when he saw the Lord, woe is me, because I am not complete, I'm undone. Because I think Isaiah chapter, uh, uh, is it six or nine? Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm not complete. I'm a man of unclean lips. Yes, because the more we speak, the more we sin. The more we speak, uh, Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. Verse 3. And one cried one unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Almost done. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Those who are so confident that they are this, they are that, I pray that we will not do that. I pray that the online viewers, please, the more confident you are in yourself, the more proof that you are not close to God. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king who glory to God, the Lord of hosts. So ladies and gentlemen, I believe we'll finish next week. God will. We'll just uh, wrap up this part. But I want to encourage you to be quick to repent. And as for repentance, it's Every day, there is something to repent about. I remember there was a call I should have taken. And because I didn't, I was busy doing something and I didn't take a call. But because I didn't take a call, someone was, was calling me for help. And because they couldn't get me, they entered into some problem. God, be merciful unto me, forgive me. Not that I have committed some wild sin. But if I'm supposed to be, some, who knows what that God was prompting me to call them back, call them back, call them back, and I didn't. So as for, for sin, don't think of the big, big things. Because Moses didn't enter the promised land because of something that we see small. As for heaven, we are heaven bound, but we are talking about the closeness. May you and I know who we really are. That we are indeed only the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of Jesus Christ. Maybe we be quick to repent in the name of Jesus Christ and God will bless us. What a blessing that we can we have an advocate. What a blessing that we have an advocate. All we need to do is to go to our advocate, our helper, our paraclete, to just tell him that we are falling short. We, 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 we cannot meet the standard. Lord, I know I cannot meet the standard. But why is it that you are so interested in me in spite of that? I thank you. I want us to just say a word of prayer. I just speak by you. Ask the Lord to give you grace. Lord, give me grace. Thank you. Thank him. Thank him for saving me. In spite of his saving us and his blood on the cross, 
we don't treat him well. We don't show him as much devotion as we can. And yet he's still faithful to us. Father God, we thank you. We bless you. We love you. We honor you. You are faithful and worthy to be praised. We nullify all the things that would go against our commitment to you, O God. May we know your heart. May we love you, worship you, honor you in the name of Jesus. May we indeed worship you, love you. May we wait upon you because we love you. May we help your people and may we will be quick to repent. In Jesus' name, amen. Whilst we are watching, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know in your hearts that you are not born again. You know in your hearts that if you die today, you do not know whether you would go to heaven or hell. You want Jesus Christ to save you. And I want to encourage you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Give me the grace to be a worshiper of you, O oh God. Give me the grace to love you, O oh God. Give me the grace to be waiting upon you on a regular basis. Give me the grace to, to, to think about other people and help other people. And Lord, give me the grace to be quick to repent. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, Lord. God bless you. Amen. Let's take out an offering to bless the Lord, to honor Him. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruit of all that you increase. I always tell people and I always say to myself, anytime you give to the Lord or you give to help a person in need who you know cannot repay you, but you give to the Lord. Anytime you and I give to the Lord, we've not wasted our money. Our money is stored up. It becomes a treasure for us. Our money is never wasted. Never see it as, oh, I, I wasted my money. No. Don't be angry if you have to give to God versus pay a, a, a car bill or, or a mechanic or whatever. Or you have to do something. No. It's good to give to the Lord because you are giving to the one who gives riches. Remember me, the Lord thy God, when you go to your land, blah, 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 for it is the Lord, your God, who gives you the power to obtain wealth. So trust God. Father God, bless our offering in Jesus' name. You can text to give 
or you can just wait uh, it's going to be posted on the the uh, those online is going to be posted on the um the description and you can just give uh, uh, a text gift to 817-826-9772 god bless you i want to say god bless you thanks for uh, staying uh, the extra time i want to say that may god keep you all of us may god keep you may god preserve you may god keep you alive may god bless the works of your hands may you and i draw near to god may you and i be close to god may you and i honor god may you and i worship god may you and i love god may you and i learn how to wait upon god may you and i be quick to repent and look after god's people in jesus name amen god bless you those online till next time shalom shalom